Hey everybody, it's another day, it's another way. We, uh, I'm having technical issues not in front of you. I only do that in the background when nobody's looking. But I got it all straightened out, and I've impressed Johnny. And Johnny brought over Adam Filer from Minima. We're going to talk about more automotive stuff. So this is definitely my wheelhouse. James, you'll, you'll love this. If you remember, um, Adam's twin brother, Hugo, came on um, earlier this year, um, talking about Internet of Things um, in, in, the, in cars. But I know that's, you don't just do that, um, Adam, but I understand you're, you're a couple of the good, good guys in crypto. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Hi, hi, Johnny. Hi, James. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we have been known as, as the twins that actually were decent in, uh, in crypto. Okay, we better move on from there because all sorts of stuff could happen. But well, welcome to the show. And um, yeah, you, you, you've carried on the theme um, of, of looking at the title blockchain's transformation role in the in automotive innovation. But before we get stuck into that, it'd be just great to get a bit of, I know you're Hugo's brother um, and, and you've got all the looks and all the brains, allegedly, but that's probably probably not true. Um, but you're, you're out in Sweden. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I am. And I'm actually, I got Swedish residency and Swedish nationality um, just in time uh, after Brexit uh, was um, was signed and sealed. I've lived here now 20 years. I moved um, to Sweden um, with the normal route of uh, entrance, which is meeting uh, Swede abroad. So we met, we met in Australia, um, we lived together and then moved to Sweden. And that was actually my fault to bring her back. I was doing a PhD in Australia and then I went to Sweden to do a postdoc. And I said to her, don't worry, don't worry, Dal, we'll be only uh, there for two years. And I've been there ever since. So I um, I've lived in uh, just outside Stockholm and um, I uh, finished my PhD in chemistry. And then I moved into um, biotech and then medtech and then finally pharma. So my background is in uh, physical chemistry. And, uh, and then um, I spent... Um, a decade in industry um, doing contract research for all global um, uh, companies, very, very uh, diverse um, projects. And then I moved into uh, biotech and pharmacy and I spent 10 years as a CTO in a biotech um, using nanotechnology formulation of novel medicines and um, uh, ended up producing a, a formulation for um, providing drugs to the lungs and that was going very well but I got to the point of um, uh, getting just a preclinical to human trials and then it uh, I realized that was outside my experience so I left the company just as we had our first um, preclinical trials and um, ended up joining Minima uh, to head up partnerships. So I knew about Minima, obviously, with my twin brother founding it in 2018. But um, I joined officially two years ago to uh, basically manage partnerships because Minima was growing and it developed from a proof of concept and uh, we needed to show utility. And we went to launch um, our mainnet in March this year. So... In the two years that I joined, we have run quite a lot of proof of concepts, which I can explain in more detail, and uh, got this massive user base. So um, we uh, grew just organically, just through word of mouth and just through the social channels on Telegram and Discord. 
And we got a huge following of people who suddenly saw that this this technology, this this version of the blockchain was what they have always wanted, which is a totally decentralized, distributed, global peer-to-peer network of communication where people are in control. There's no uh, centralization. There's no miners. There's no validators or stakers. Everybody is equal on the network. Um, And so that's where we started. And we went to market or we went to mainnet, uh, as I said, in March with over 300,000 registered users running nodes. 300,000? Yeah. Amazing, right? So well, we had... okay, okay, so that's Adam, before, I've, I've got to ask you, as part of becoming a Swede, do you have to be able to recite all of ABBA's songs? Uh, every Friday, we get together, we, we, we drink a schnapps, and we, and we sing at least one song, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Adam, just, just joking apart, though, um, one of the questions we often get is people talk about blockchain as if it's the World Wide Web. So I'm delighted yeah. you've kicked off the show talking about if you like, a, a different type of blockchain and one that is truly decentralized. Because one of the problems, and, we, and James and I have talked about this before, um, is that a lot of blockchains are reliant on a handful of cloud suppliers, you know, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, et cetera. But you're very, very, your blockchain is actually very different, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Very different and, and for, by design. So the founder um, set out, as a map, as a Bitcoin maximalist, he he thought that was it. He thought he'd found the Holy Grail. This was going to be his life, his uh, you know his lifelong passion, and he was going to contribute. And he was in one of the very first um, chat forums, uh, the you know Bitcoin chat forum. So uh, he thought that 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 was it, and and nothing needed more to be done. But quickly realized the Achilles heel, uh, which is the competition nature of mining, and when blockchain and and bitcoin was first introduced everybody had the ability to be a miner and be a validator on their own hardware on their own computer but quickly it got to a point where you no longer had the capacity as a single um user to compete with the um with the compute and so uh Uh, just for clarity that that was because the amount of computing power that you needed was out out of the reach of most most individuals exactly so that's right so as as the exactly as the as the blockchain um increased in size and the amount of work needed to store all that information on every uh, node increased it became out of out of reach of most computers and so uh these uh, you know special ISICs or these special computers were invented which allowed people to store all that information and the competition meant that uh, it was in someone's incentive to just spend more than anybody else on the energy to get more quickly to solve the cryptographic uh, puzzle. And this meant that it was out of reach of individuals. So these pools started um, where by these huge data mining centers were constructed to, to do the work. So that was that was where it's that was the sort of that was where it started the the realization that that even in a decentralized distributed uh, consensus mechanism competition uh, leads to centralization. So the concept of minima was born, whereby uh, the founder said, "Could we not distribute the work to everybody in the in an equal way? And how could we do that?" And at that point, 
uh, smartphones were becoming mainstream. And so we suddenly realized, well, we have the compute necessary on the phone. Each smartphone is, uh, you know, it has more uh, computing power than the first computers that sent uh, the space rockets up to the moon landing. So it was... Well, effectively, you're turning a SIM into a node. Exactly. So that's right. So basically, the, the, the... it was, you know, once that mindset was there, you know, can we not run a full node on on a device? Yes, we can. We can do it on our mobile phones. Then you suddenly change the whole nature of this problem, which is instead of one miner getting all of the um, value for um, and the reward for solving this problem, you simply distribute this um, this amount of computing power to do a fairly complex problem between all users, and so this. Sudden, suddenly the penny dropped, which is instead of having a competition, you can have an incentive-compatible network. And by that we mean that each user is incentivized for helping each other. And the reason you do that is because you help yourself. So minima stands for the minimum amount of energy needed to secure the network. And that is achieved by us only storing the data needed um, that's relevant for ourselves on our own devices but sending a hash of that information to all of the users. So collectively, all that information is stored, but it's stored, it's, it's aggregated. So it's stored locally on each device. And, and that, was the, that was how Minima was born on the concept. That was, that was the breakthrough. But, but you've then gone on for there and you've been, you know, you've been very, um, very adept at developing the whole internet of things. Exactly, exactly. So, so there were, so the, the, the exactly. So the, the, um, proof and the evidence that we could actually distribute the work and and come to consensus between all these nodes has has allowed us as you said to basically create um, an internet a connectivity um, pathway between all nodes allowing us to come to agreement on lots of different aspects so just as the internet of things is there to allow passage of information minima also allows the information of both uh, value and also information across this peer-to-peer network with huge security and redundancy because um, uh, collectively everybody comes to agreement but you only need to pass that information locally to say 10 to 20 local nodes but if everybody is doing that that is spread across the globe and that's what we have that what what we have achieved yeah but but hang on i put this in some sort of um context um arguably the blockchain with the largest number of nodes therefore the most decentralized albeit on on cloud um we'll put that aside is bitcoin which um some people say it's got thirteen thousand. um you know whereas um bitcoin core developers you know like um luke dash jr whoever he is but he reckons there's eighty three thousand bitcoin nodes but you leave them for dust you're over three hundred thousand potential users that are creating and growing almost exponentially all the time, given the work you're doing in the automotive industry. Yes, exactly. And so when we went to mainnet, we had more full validating and constructing nodes than all other cryptocurrencies combined. And we went fairly under the radar. I mean, you know, we are still uh, relatively unknown. We're known in the circles we operate, but we're not yet known as a global uh, um, cryptocurrency or blockchain to be reckoned with. And that's also deliberate because we want to make sure that we that we do things correctly. We've gone through the whole process 
sort of painstakingly to build up the credibility. So Minima is an AG, it's a Swiss registered entity. Um, and we've got FINMA approval, uh, we've got the regulations in place. And we, again, believe that it was really important to, to do things uh, methodically in the background before making a big sensation and a big splash, because um, we want to be seen as, as a um, as an underlying uh, information layer for Internet of Things. So that's where we are. And, and yeah, and as you said, it's quite staggering that we had so many users. We had over 300,000 registered nodes, um, and we are moving quickly to a point in which there is, it's entirely decentralized. So when we, when, we, when we launched, there were a few backup nodes or a few servers just to make sure that we had um, archives. But Minima is designed to be entirely decentralized with, with no single uh, point of failure, no single centralized uh, point, no, no attack vector whatsoever. Wow. Uh, so, OK, so fantastic and really great to get an overview of, of the technology as much as the business. But what are you doing in the car industry? Because, um, that you, well, I understand just recently San Francisco now allowing sort of driverless cars on the on the roads. Um, I, it, it, it's going to be certainly in my lifetime, and I'm a bit of an old fart at, at 60, when you get banned from driving because, you know, most of the accidents on the road are created by humans. How close do you think we are and how is your technology being used in, in that way then? Yeah, so very important question. And the reason why cars are such a good use case for us is because it's the intersection between man and machine. So everybody accepts now you can run nodes on phones and mobiles and smartphones, of course, are so um, powerful and ubiquitous. We're used to doing everything with it from shopping to, you know, securing our data. So and then everyone is understanding IoT and Internet of Things and you're going to have sensors talking to each other. But cars is our is our is you know our human connection with the machine, and cars in particular the most complex um, sort of uh, uh, carriers of information uh, in terms of human safety. So it's really important to get it right, and so this transition to fully autonomous driving, uh, of course, is going to rely on incredible security measures in terms of uh, safety of data. So uh, for cars, uh, you know, data, data safety is equal to human safety when you're talking about machines on roads. So uh, our um, technology, as I said, minima stands for a minimum amount of energy. It's incredibly compact and lightweight because of the fact that you're storing just the information locally relative to yourself which means that you can embed Minima in systems. So we have Minima running on Raspberry Pis, on um, Arduino uh, 32 chips, and very, very small hardware um, footprints. But uh, ultimately, it is a software-only system. So you can download Minima already on uh, on the Play Store, and you run on Android. And and most or cars these days run on uh, Android Auto. So we have the interface already for, and we've demonstrated minimal running in the infotainment head unit of cars. So we can download a minimum node and immediately it's up and running, can start talking to other cars. So there are a number of use cases where um, this is uh, shown to be really, really important. Um, but, I'll, but if I can just summarize, you know, the key areas where blockchain in general is useful, um, it's basic payments, identity, 
um, tokenization and messaging. But Minima goes one step further than that because you embed the node ID in every transaction. So it gives you both um, privacy and security of your own data, but um, it allows every node to be identified and, va and validated as it sends information, which means that if you're accepting information coming from a node uh, and it doesn't uh, meet the criterion, it's ignored, that node's ignored, and therefore you have an inbuilt filtering mechanism, which means that a lot of nodes don't need to um, uh, process a lot of information if it's bogus, and only the valid nodes are able to propagate information, which means you have very, very low latency, which means you can pass information node to node across the network incredibly quickly. And that suddenly opens up the possibility for true V2V communication or V2X. Right. And, and, but this, this, isn't just, um, this isn't just theoretical. You're working with China's biggest vehicle manufacturer, Geely Motors, who outside of China, you know, many people will be familiar with Volvo and um, you've probably seen there's a very snazzy Polestars. Um, yes. So, so these, these, are, these, these are vehicles you're currently working with and using your technology, not necessarily for driverless cars, but for proving the technology works and works at speed. That's right, exactly. So we've now um, had a project on for two years, working with a consortium of companies in Scandinavia through Mobility X Lab um, Accelerator. And that gives us access to, as you said, um, Volvo, Polestar, um, Sensic, CBT, which is Geely Motors Innovation Team, and also importantly, Ericsson um, for, as the provider of the communication uh, network. So, yeah, we've been carrying out a number of uh, proof concepts. We've demonstrated uh, secure messaging, uh, secure payments through tokenization. Um, and uh, again, we, we've uh, stress tested the latency and shown that we can pass messages peer-to-peer -peer for, uh, for 24 hours um, with, a, with a maximum latency of 30 milliseconds and a reliability of 99.7%, which... Wow vastly superior to SMS messaging, which is, the, you know, the current standard. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so not only impacting the automobile industry, but now we're talking about the telecoms industry. So you're, you're actually tackling, uh, you know, two, you've got two birds with one stone, so to speak. Exactly. And I mean, of course, we are um, uh, sort of heavily um, uh, reliant on mobile connectivity, but Minimum has also worked with telcos and our very first proof of concept um, a number of years ago was showing that you could tokenize data so you could allow users to um, uh, to basically pay, uh, pay almost pay as you go for their mobile minutes through through tokenization. So the re uh, these two technologies do go hand in hand, of course. But the other key feature of Minima compared to many other blockchains is that we can work in offline um, scenarios. So you can actually um, generate a token for access control, allowing you to unlock a car door, um, even when the car may be in the garage and have no internet connectivity. And that's through the, the smart contract of a token where the node on the car can recognize the, um, uh, the rules and issue um, the, uh, the rule and, and, and allow you to open the door or to have other access based on the um, uh, rules assigned by the smart contract. And so this then allows you to even 
open up to payments and other features, which uh, most other blockchains, of course, are reliant on consensus being um, validated by miners. In this case, your, your node interaction to the car is all the connection you need. The car will accept it if it comes with your um, signature showing that you've actually got the access rights that you claim to have. So I presume that also works in remote locations, particularly where the 1.4 billion unbanked are around the world in remote parts of Asia and Africa. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that, and that again, that leads us on to other um, uh, parts yeah, that we have with telcos, precisely as you say. And key here is the ability for micropayments. So... Um, I mean, a lot. You know, blockchain has been around uh, and discussed in the vehicle um, arena for many, many years. And IOTA actually led the way, and people knew about this as an application. Um, but the, I mean, there, of course, they have a problem getting to consensus. But the real advantage that Minimum offers is microtransactions with very, very low fees. Because as we discussed, if you don't pay miners, then yeah have no need to um, charge costly transfer fees or transaction fees. And so, well, that's, yeah. that's so well, James, I know you love your cars and you're a bit of a geek. Any, any thoughts spring to mind? Well, unfortunately, this podcast would go another hour if I, <laughs> if I really got to speak. Um, yes, from the MAC address on the CCS port all the way through automotive grade Linux and the infotainment, I yep. am well versed, fully aware. Uh, I actually belong to. But at any rate, this is the. I could extend this thing an hour. What you're doing is so on point. I used to attend blockchain conventions and lectures, and you know, for what I do for a living, and um, being a car guy normally, and I own an EV. I used to use decentralized wireless energy trading as an example of the future. Basically, yeah. I would pull over, I'd go on my dashboard, Joey needs 15 kilowatts. Mm -hmm. We can align our cars, exchange a token, and I provide him 15 kilowatts. I, people used to tell me, stop giving that away. Why are you giving that idea away? And I go, mm -hmm. well, you know, I'm into music. But I've been preaching that for five years. Yeah. And if you... Pull this up. I, I want, I will download your stuff. I will put it Good. in the BMW. I'm in America. Uh, we allow for three feet of wireless charging right now. I think that's going to yes. change. And I, is there anything I could do to help you get in that <laughs> forefront? Um, you know, yes. like I said, uh, I've hacked my car. I've had to activate things that weren't normally there. And, um, you know, MAC address on the CCS port so that you put physical less effort, plug it in to charge. I knew yeah. that vehicle to vehicle charging and vehicle to load was, was the next big move. You guys yeah. making it almost, I want to say like cyber FM where you're going to reward hmm. the actual users. I'm going to go out driving. It's the future of DoorDash. I applaud everything you do. Well, thanks so much, and 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 it's you know it's it's so nice to uh, speak to you who recognises where this is heading. I mean, the key for us is that it's it's as I said, purely software. So um, our first group concepts, of course, are going to be hardware add add-ons through the um, OBD port, and you're going to um, you know allow a node to take information 
from the ECU and send it northbound. But ultimately, this will be um, you know, embedded uh, at factory rollout. So um, it is coming. I mean, the only um, you know, uh, obvious question is, is how do you get adoption? I mean, how do you get all OEMs or all car manufacturers to agree to use the standard? So part of the reason why we're working with these well-known brands is because they are um, influential and privy to the standards that are coming in and the regulations, and especially in Europe, it's heavily regulated. So um, it isn't, it, you know, it, it's still um, on the horizon. Um, the proof of concepts that we are tackling are simple things like paying for parking, paying for charging, but the final um uh, sort of ubiquitous use of vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication will, of course, take a long time, and it's and it's a long and it's a long journey. But um, the advantage that we've got is that because we're mobile native, most of the things that we do already can be handled by an app on a phone, um, and so we we are already there. So one of the use cases that we're working on now is is this um, ability for private wall box um, owners to rent out their wall box to allow charging for other, uh, to other people so the you know the hurdle and the and, and the and the blocker right now from for um ev charging in general is this is the lack of public infrastructure but suddenly this technology allows us to open the public to to private wall boxes massively increasing the number of charge points um in, you know in a, in a local area I'll be, so, I'll be putting my house on plug share for yeah. people to find my, you know, and I'm going to charge you one minima. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. I, hang on, guys. I, I, this is turning almost into a dating site with you two. You know, <laughs> he had to go all the way to Australia to find his wife, and now he's now he's blooming only had to go to Side FM to pick up. Sounds like your next new best friend. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to come over here. Okay. We're going to go. We're going to go charge up at what's called Electrify America, and I'm going to buy him a drink. Perfect. Perfect. Well, look, Adam, uh, yes. What's the best way for people to get a little bit more information about yourself? And is it LinkedIn? Exactly, LinkedIn. So uh, my name Adam Filer. Yeah, uh, at LinkedIn. Um, That's F F for Freddie, E for Echo, I for Indigo, L for Lima, E for Echo, R for Roger. That's right. Yep. Brilliant. And obviously, if you'd like to get a copy of um, Adam's article, then just contact myself, Johnny Fry. Um, or James Tiley, and we'll happily get a copy over to you. And um, I'm really pleased you've come back on. Um, don't tell your brother. I think you're even better than, than, than Hugo, and he was pretty impressive. In You haven't got a third brother that you're going to go and surprise you. You're to give us a wrap-up, have you? Um, um, no, I don't. So, you've got, so I'll get a digital twin at least. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right, Adam, thank you very much for joining us today. And James, thank you. And, and you're we'll welcome. Next week. Perfect. Thanks so much. Nice to talk to you. Bye-bye.